So I'm beginning a series on the foundations of the faith, and I want you to, if you're a note taker, take some notes. I'm going to start with the basics of the value, the power, the authority, the integrity of God's holy word. It's the reason they put holy Bible on the spine of the Bible, because it is holy. It's inspired by God. It's unique. It's it documents who God is. It shows the purpose of humanity. It reveals the fall of man, but then redemption through Jesus Christ. It shows what God's will is and his desires. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It builds us up. It, it helps our faith. Uh, who is glad for that? So I, I want to just kind of start with key verses in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you're reading, I'm reading the New American Standard Bible, and part of my goal is to help you to have confidence and to be fully persuaded in your own mind as to the authenticity of the Bible, the authorship of the Bible. Holy men of old were moved by God to write what he had inspired them to have, and so it's going to show you right here that it's of divine origin. Yeah, man wrote it but it's uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Over a course of 1,600 years, about 44 uh, writers uh, were inspired by God to write down uh, the Old and New Testament, 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Now, God, I pray for enlightenment because your word is a lamp to our feet. I pray we get so inspired about the Bible that we fall in love with your word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth, your mouth. So, God, this is from your mouth. It says so right here, inspired, God-breathed. Let's read. 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about all the challenges in the end times. People would be lovers of self. They would have, they call evil good and good evil. They would hold to a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. It's quite a mess. This was 2,000 years ago. God was giving warning early on in the church age. And it's even more concentrated the farther we go. Knowledge increases, but yet there's just some disturbing elements around us. And that's why we have to hunker down in the word. That's why it says, you, however, after it talks about evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, everybody say you, you. say me. me, say us. us. However, continue in the things you have learned, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. Don't veer off of it. Don't put additives to it. Don't subtract from it. Stay with it in continuance. Continually devote yourself. Continue to pray. Continue to seek the Lord. Knowing from whom you have learned them. Knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Everybody say sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. You see that? The word of God has power. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's a power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. He said, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Paul wrote to the Romans again later on in chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he says that wisdom will come concerning salvation. I'm a product of scripture. Somebody told me about Jesus and then told me about Jesus' life-transforming power in his case. He testified to me 
But the amplification really occurred when he quoted the word of God and said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. I can't tell you, it's extraordinary how it pierced my heart and brought conviction to me, brought clarity to me. I went home and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I've been serving him ever since. Listen to this. It says, it leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. In the last service, we had two doctors of chiropractic who went to Logan College, and they were sitting together. And um, there's a word, orthos. We have Holly Schluter's husband, Dr. Brian, is an orthodontist. And uh, they put braces and straighten teeth. Orthodoxy is that it makes the crooked things straight. And in one scripture in the Old Testament, the definition of the Bible is as a plumb line. And it's a straight indicator of truth. It's a standard for our faith. And we can have confidence in the word of God. Now, a lot of people, have you ever played the telephone game where you whisper to somebody and then, like, like if Ethan whispered to my wife Patsy and Patsy came over and whispered to Debbie Bauer and then Debbie Bauer told me what they said, it would have been changed because that's just the way such is humanity. So, yes, humanity is involved with, with it, but it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is inspired by God. And, yes, people were involved with it in the human agency, but God, I'm convinced and fully persuaded that God took holy people and spoke to them. And even for a period of time, there was just oral, oral history, just the, the, the oral tradition where it was just word of mouth. Now, the argument could be, well, did it get amalgamated? Did it get changed? Did it, did it shift? Are there, are there discrepancies, inconsistencies? No, the Holy Spirit that created, the God that birthed the universe, uh, you know, and holds the stars in their place can take care of 66 books for a few hundred years. And he is, he is, and he has, and he does. The law of the Lord is perfect, Psalm 19, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. His word is a lamp to our feet, and it's a light to our path. It's quite an elegant thing when you really see how faithful the word of God is. There are seminaries that deny the authenticity of the Bible. They wouldn't have celebrated Easter last week because they, in fact, don't believe there's a resurrection. Somehow there's been a retreat into some sort of neutral, numb, blunted kind of a experience. And that's why the Bible says holding to a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. We are not power deniers. We acknowledge that God in his infinite love and power breathed. In fact, the Greek word for this inspired by God is passagraphe theonoustos. Theo is God, noustos is wind. God breathed the word. And if you see when he created Adam in Genesis, he breathed into Adam the breath of life. Yeah, he was made out of the dust of the earth. We're all dust. We should remember that we're just dust. But yet he breathed into Adam the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And then Jesus breathed on the church at its inception. And now we see all, in fact, the word of God all the way from Genesis to Revelation has been God-breathed, God-inspired. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable, beneficial. It's our faithful guide for life and conduct. It's, it's the core of our faith for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, 
so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And because in another place in Scripture it says there's neither male nor female, bond nor Scythian, slave nor free. We're all one in Christ. And there's indication that God will pour out his spirit on young people and elders and then on the handmaidens and the bond servants. When we read about the man of God being equipped, that's the man, woman, or child of God. That's a new Christian. That's somebody that's been running the rugged road of life and having disappointments and struggles. That's for a minister. That's for a layman. That's for all of us. Hallelujah. And the idea that God has used his word and that if we'll take hold of it properly, and this is why I'm preaching this today. This is why as a pastor, this is what I'm starting for the Sunday series on the foundational truths of why we believe what we believe. Because all that whole chapter talks about so much craziness going on in the end of the age that we're to see to it that no one deceives us or deludes us or hold us, holds us captive, that we study to show ourselves approved unto God. In fact, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, which is just on the other page in my Bible. And let's just, it says here in verse 14, remind them of these things and solemnly charge them. This is Paul telling Timothy to talk to Christians to stir them up by a reminder and to charge them solemnly in the presence of God, not to wrangle about words, not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. There, this was before social media. This was before the contentious levels of a news conveyance that refuses to be objective and insists to be propaganda and manipulation on the mindsets of people. This was before all that. This was before people that are usually silent and quiet get advantage to be able to voice and articulate uh, contentions and arguments. And yet God in his foreknowledge is saying, stay on task. Stay on task, Stay. be a lover of Jesus, be a winner of souls, be a prayer warrior, be a giver, be a servant, stay in the zone, really walk with the Lord, walk in spiritual authority, bind the enemy, lose the power of God, believe God and, and pray big, powerful prayers. And, and he said, but don't wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. But be diligent to present yourselves Approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Another translation says, rightly dividing the word. Now, if, if we could rightly divide the word, then there's a warning that we could wrongly divide the word. And this is where cults come from. This is where divergent, aberrational beliefs come from. This is where inconsistencies come from. But the good news is, the Holy Spirit is our teacher and God's word is truth. And we're going to talk more about this in a moment. John 17, 17, one of my all-time favorite statements in the Bible. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is so powerful. I carved out the word truth on the top of my 1977 uh, edition of my New American Standard Bible before I was married. That was the time that we were in. You know, we had a Panasonic cassette player and a Bible that you put your own leather cover on. And that was a marker of, of being in the body of Christ. I mean, that was what got you into the building. It's like, here's my, here's my Panasonic cassette tape player. Here's my Bible. Here's my notebook. And, uh, and, and I'm grateful that when I got saved, it was all about testimonies and music. But around 1975, God began to download amazing knowledge increased and wonderful teaching came into the body of Christ. Now, there was teaching before. 
Good teaching. I've, I've read after people from uh, centuries past, and there was good teaching. But during this period, it was sort of a need for good teaching to come in. And there was an amazing movement where we would spend sometimes two, three, four hours in church. In fact, these are four-hour Pentecostal churches, uh, church chairs. We, when we went to Bonham Presbyterian, they let us, they were gracious to open their doors. Pastor Caps at the time um, helped us out because our church, we flooded. We went back to DeSmet. They treated us great. And, we, and then on Friday night, but they didn't have a place for us Friday night because of their sports program, only Sunday morning. So we, the, when Bonham found out about it, they said, come and use our, our um, annex building. They had just built a beautiful new wing, and it was perfect for us. And we had our Friday night services there. What we did after about a year and a half of being there is we bought them, I think, 400 really nice Pentecostal four-hour chairs. So if you want to know, that's how. And I'll tell you another thing. Uh, the pastor asked me, hey, I've got a guest speaker coming. I would like your church group to do the worship. We'll bump up into the main sanctuary. You do the worship. And we'll have the guest speaker on your Friday night, and we'll have a Friday night service. I said, sure, okay. And the, the man's name was Louis Evans, Jr. Louis Evans, Jr. was the pioneer Presbyterian uh, man that actually started Bel Air Presbyterian. It's now Bel Air Church. Beautiful, situated in Los Angeles. He started that way back when. He was a contemporary of Billy Graham and of uh, Dr. Bill Bright. And he was under the tutelage and, and teaching of Henrietta Mears, which is amazing because in that circle, uh, ladies weren't supposed to say anything or do anything in church. And yet the anointing of the Holy Spirit was so great on Henrietta Mears that she is traced back to the one who influenced one of the greatest evangelists in the history of Christianity. Another one of the greatest his, uh, evangelists who started uh, Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, and Louis Evans Jr., who I didn't even know about at the time until later on because I've been to Bel Air and he was the one that started that church. Then he moved to San Diego. Then he moved to Washington, D.C., where he was a pastor to presidents. Yeah. And then he came and he preached at our meeting. And he got up and you know what he said? The first thing he said, do you realize our groups have been at war for 100 years? Nobody knew it. <laughs> Nobody knew it. The spirit-filled Christians didn't know that we were at war with the Presbyterians because guess what? I never taught that. You know why? Because that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to emphasize a, a bunch of contention. We got to go with what we can connect with. And this is why I'm starting with the Word of God. That's why I think God set that up structurally. He wanted me to understand, hey, the body of Christ is beautiful. And just because people will differ in certain ways, just make sure it's the basic tenets of the faith. When, it's on the, when we believe together, hey, the Bible is the word of God. Dr. Bill Bright, he believed that. Billy Graham, he believed that. Louis Evans Jr., he believed that. I believe that. President of my Bible school that texted me this morning, he believes that. And we believe and we understand. This is Christianity 101. The word of God is alive. It's living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Yes, men wrote it, but it was divinely inspired by God. All 66 books in the canon of scripture, God moved on people to get right, evaluate and make sure that scripture was in line with scripture and that it honored Jesus and that it was sound and it was consistent. And God has preserved it, and God has brought it to you, and I hope you have a Bible in your lap. In fact, this is what I want to say to you. As we study and understand these general truths about the Word of God, 
I want to encourage you to pray about buying and making an investment in a good paper Bible, and here's why. In 1995, the New American Standard, which is my Bible that my first pastor, the, the main pastor in my life, was using. Charles Stanley still uses the New American Standard. It's a good translation. In 1977, they had one that had these and thous in it. In 1995, they updated it. When I bought it, I loved the single column where I could write notes on the side, a wide margin. So I went and I bought, I bought this one. This is from 2002. And I kept it on the shelf. And I brought it out because it's all, everything's in the same place. Those of you that love the Bible, if you can get it, because I have several, I have probably 30 different translations in the New Testament that I collected over the years at the book fair here at Famous Bar, when it used to be Famous Bar, at bookstores mainly in England, the 20th century translation, the Weymouth translation. Now Eugene Peterson came up with the message recently. Before that, Kenneth Taylor came up with the Living Bible. Those paraphrases, beautiful, passion. They're different ones. Those are great. There are paraphrases. There are literal translations. I love the King James 400 years of heritage. It's beautiful. It has, it has a tone to it. It's reliable. The New King James is a more modern to help you out. I have the 1995, and they haven't taken it out of print, but I bought a bunch of them because I thought, this may go out of print, and I, because of my work and because of my, my own learning style, I need to have a Bible where I can figure out where it is on the page. And for years, I studied with just strictly paper books. Before I was married, I went with my you know, meager little clerk job income, and I went and bought a brand new Strong's Exhaustive Concordance at the Christian Bookstore on Lindbergh back in the 1970s. It was a big book. It cost me something. It's, the spine is worn out on it. It's, it, it because I think for Strong to work with an oil lamp and, and a magnifier and write down and figure out how to do every scripture without using the computer, that guy is the man. Strong, this guy must have been strong in the Lord to be able to do that. And it's, it shows where every word is in the Bible. Well, now, did you know that it's on a simple uh, software program? You can get it in a, as an app, and I'll tell you, it'll revolutionize your Christian walk. Well, I, I transitioned once laptop computers came in years ago. I decided this is the future, so I tried to transition onto that. And it took me a couple of years to get to where I could get acclimated to it. And now I just love it because I could look up the Greek, the Hebrew, and the Aramaic word and figure out what the writers were trying to say in their point of view. One time I was on an airplane flying to Seattle. I was opening up a church for a man named Wendell Smith. It, I was, he asked me to, to do the, be the, the keynote speaker at the opening of the church. His son now, Judah, by the way, just did a song, an album with uh, Justin Bieber. And I remember Judah seeing his room. He was a teenager and praying for him. So life goes on. Uh, Wendell came here with Jenny and prophesied about our church, and certain things that have yet to come to pass shall come to pass. Wendell and I met in Houston, Texas. The Lord told him to get with me. He came up here to church. We connected. It was an amazing thing. He's, in, he's in, with the Lord now, and I, feel, I just feel uh, honored to still be in the race. I, still, I feel honored to be able to stand before you and tell you about the help that the Bible can bring to you about the tools. I, I, I'm kind of all over the place right now. It's going to take me a couple weeks to really bring this New Testament, Old Testament survey to you. But, but, I, but if you just bear with me, give me just a little bit of time. I'm going to lay a foundation to stir a lot of you up by way of reminder. My goal is to help you to fall in love with the Bible. 
And I'm telling you, if you get a paper Bible that you carry, there's something about the hand-eye coordination, dexterity, touch of it that seems to be a help in certain learning style, particularly mine. And I have friends that can completely use their iPad, and that's okay. We have screens. But, man, I'm feeling like if there's ever been a time to get a decent Bible with good binding that has a good cover on it, you put a little bit of an investment in it, you get a little place where you could put a pen, you get a highlighter so you can highlight it, and get as much as you can out of the Word so that there's not a word deficit. There's not a dearth or a famine of the Word. Faith comes by hearing the word. In the early church, they were defined in their success ratio as the word spread rapidly and was glorified. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. They came when they heard the word, they were healed. Uh, Just speak the word only is what the centurion said. And Jesus famously said, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Colossians 3.16 says we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So, yeah, we're a word church. We're a love church, a hope church, a faith church. Uh, We're a church, a missional church. We're we're called to reach and win souls. We're called to make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. So we're going to be diligent to present ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed. And I think one of the ways we can do that due diligence. How many of you have a paper Bible? Let me see your hands. I want to encourage you to begin to keep it with you as your faithful companion and uh, underline it and write in it and study it and study to show yourself approved unto God. The more you soak up in the word, uh, the more equipped you'll be that it, you know, because here's what he said, so that the man, woman or child of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You know, Dennis Castle taught on a four-hour video how to use a chainsaw. So when we went to Katrina and some of these places that had the trees blown down, people wouldn't get hurt, and there was a lot of training on it. Uh, Jeremy, our drummer, had a big bang on his head. I said, what happened to you? He said, oh, I was a, it's a chainsaw accident. I looked back at it again like, did it bop the blade bop? No. He said the tension on the branch while I was cutting it, and I knew it was coming, so I was holding my head, but it still it popped up, and it snuck up on me and popped him right in the head. I said, did they give you stitches? No, they just glued it. He said the glue hurt worse. Yeah. I looked at him. He had, like, super glue all over his head. I thought, wow. And this was a practice. Now it's all black and blue, and it's all big. It's, it's like it shows you that chainsaws are not jokes. Right? Telling you, this is more important than anything we could even imagine. This is the foundation for our faith. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And instead of just kind of being blasé about it or kind of piecemealing it together, listen, God wants us to study and learn, and we can all experience growth and learning. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here are some of the key characteristics of God that are conveyed in this holy book. One, it shows who God is. It shows his will, and it teaches us his ways. Number two, it, it speaks to us of who man is, our purpose, that we're made in God's image according to his likeness, that we have a destiny, that we're loved and, and, and God cares about us. Number three, it also shows 
the fall of man and its consequences. It shows the law and the prophets pointing to a savior, a redeemer. And then it shows who Jesus Christ is and what he has done in his redemption, his great sacrificial work. We celebrated it last week. That's why I get so, my favorite holiday by far is Easter. He is not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. It gives me hope. Praise God. He dealt with death. The big phobia of death has been mule kicked by our Savior because he went out there and did it and he came back. Hallelujah. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. When you believe in me, even when you die, you live. Praise God for that. And it shows of God's trustworthiness, of his promises, of his faithfulness. So again, 66 books divided into an Old and New Testament, the Old Covenant, the New Covenant. Uh, it was written down by approximately 44 inspired authors, uh, shepherds, teachers, sages, prophets, amazing. And uh, over a 1,600-year period, the New Testament is uh, from Jesus' birth uh, to his, uh, the culmination of the age. Uh, Genesis all the way to Malachi. It goes from the creation all the way to the return of the Jews from their uh, captivity. And it, the, the word of God is, is, is historical. The word of God is inspired. It's, it's, it, it reveals truth. It reveals truth. Um, you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now, truth, by definition, if you're taking notes, is that which is in accordance with fact or reality. That which is in accordance with fact or reality. Jesus is not make-believe. He's a fact. Jesus is the way, the reality, and the life. It's, it's accurate or exact without variation. Accuracy and exactness without variation. And yet... I've been reading the Urban Dictionary, and the Urban Dictionary raises an interesting modern phrase that's being thrown around called my truth. Anybody ever heard my truth? That's my truth. That's your truth. Have you heard that? It's a pretentious substitute for non-negotiable personal opinion. My truth. Is, you know, and because, look, when you're talking to somebody and they say, my, that's my truth, you're triggered because we can't debate truth. We can't argue against truth. But now that it's been bland, made bland, that's my truth, that's your truth, really what it is is it's something people like to say these days. The phrase, my truth, is usually meant to mean some combination of my opinion and my experience. My opinion and my experience. And it undermines the idea of shared common facts. So uh, this is what's amazing about the benefit of the Bible when you take it for what it really is. It's not just a holy book for Jews and Christians like the many holy books around the world. It's God's word. It's, God's, it's God breathed. It's unique ab among documentation. And as such, you we'll look at later on about the archaeological evidence that keeps being dug up. You know, a lot of uh, Middle Eastern countries are oil rich, but Israel is history rich. And they're finding uh, people groups that People say, well, the Bible can't be true because we've never seen any evidence of people like, for example, the Hittites. But in 1905, uh, there was an archaeological discovery that found evidence of the Hittites. While I was in a, uh, a museum a couple years ago, 
my guide, who announced to me that he was secular and he wasn't religious, took me to a place where they found a heel bone that had a nail through it that corroborated specifically the method of crucifixion. And he stood there with such respect because he knew me as a Christian, I would, I would, that would resonate with me that that's tangible physical evidence to support a crucifixion and much like what happened to Jesus when he was nailed to the cross. And um, for me, because I'm walking by faith and not by sight, I don't need to see Noah's Ark. I really don't need to see the Holy Land because I know everywhere I go, every place on which the sole of my feet treads, God's given it to me. But yet I learn a lot when I go there. I got, when I went out in the field where David confronted Goliath, I got hugely inspired, but it didn't, st it didn't build my faith any. What builds my faith is the word of God and how faithful God is and how he watches over his word to perform it. And I am a product. My new birth experience happened because someone bothered to communicate a scripture to me in faith the Holy Spirit took it and made something mighty in, in, in my heart with it, and I got forever changed. Even right now, I'm telling you, as we're hearing the word, it's bringing hope and help and strength. Daniel said, when he spoke the word to me, I was strengthened. Anxiety in the heart of a man will weigh it down, but a good word will make it glad. And this is the good word. It's God's word. It's holy and it's alive, praise God. There are more Bibles out there, and I want the Bible to get in more people. It's good that it's the most published book in the world. It'll be even better when it's the most read and most acted upon book in the world. And it might as well start with you and me. Well, you're a word church, we might as well be then. What does that mean? We study. I remember Priscilla and Aquila when they came up to a man named Apollos and he was preaching what he knew. This is what he was described as as being mighty in the scriptures. How about that? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be an elegant thing to have tagged on your life? And that you start standing, you start believing. It's the substance of our faith. Or else why bother? Where are we going? That it's a compass, it's a map, it's a light. It's specific. It specifically reveals God to us. It specifically reveals the flaw and failure of humanity. It helps us to understand things. So I'm not a humanist that's worshiping man because man has fallen. And yet I know humanity is so valuable that I want to do everything I can to soak up this word so I can be a lifter and I can support people and communicate the good news so that they can be set free from sin and bondage because Jesus said he'd watch over his word and he'd be with us to the end. I'm white hot with this, you guys, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that we it would be adequate for every good work. I propose to you that you are his workmanship, that you're created in Christ for good works, and that God's word is truth. You know, when they say my truth and your truth, it's similar to what Isaiah said when he warned they'll be saying evil is good and good is evil. So when you see a plumb line, we, we bought an old 1924 farmhouse. It's torn down now. It would have been 100 years old coming up. It felt like 100 years old when we bought it. It was a, it was a tear down when we bought it. And by that, I mean it had settled, and there wasn't anything level in it. And by that, I, I took a marble and I, and on the floor. I let the marble go on the edge of the floor, and it didn't just kind of gradually creep. It picked up speed. It went whoosh, whoosh. I had to jack up the floor and level it. In fact, I have a floor jack that I put in there with all these beams underneath this ancient old house. 
with the yellow pine floors and the big wide woodwork and the lath and plaster walls and the stucco exterior. And, I mean, it was cool. It was quaint. It was a fixer-upper. We worked on it, and we did the dishes for Thanksgiving in the sink that we had built a new bathroom. I built a new bathroom, um, put a bathroom downstairs. It only had one bathroom, and it had two bedrooms. And I met a lady who came in from South Carolina, and she said, my 14 siblings and I grew up in this old farmhouse. She was in her elder years. She had a twinkle in her eye. She was a beautiful lady. She said, I hope it's okay. I said, oh, absolutely. So I'm so glad just to see this place. She had all these. I looked at her sweet face, and she was having these childhood memories. And I thought, how did your parents do that? We have four kids, and we're going crazy in here. There's no room in here. I built a wall in between one of the rooms. I tried to put bunk beds and stuff like that and get creative. It only had two bedrooms. We only had two kids, right, right. And then we multiplied. <laughs> that place, I had to level it up. And I'm telling you, this is in a place, humanity and society is in a bit of disarray. And that first chapter I shared with you that ends, ends with the, the word of the Lord is living and act. I mean, uh, it's inspired by God and is profitable. It starts out with realize this, that in the end times, difficult times will come perilous times, and it itemizes at the end of the end how things are going to be. So for us, for you and me, not just me as a preacher, but all of us as Christians, I actually got this before I even entered into concepts of being called a ministry. This was as a Christian, and it still is. The main reason I'm in the Word is because I'm a Christian, and I feed on God's Word. It, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So actually, I do study just for my own personal uh, study. Oftentimes, I get so stimulated, it'll, it'll show up in my messages and my leadership and pastoring. But I need the word because I'm a person in a fallen world that's skewed, that's whack, that's imbalanced, that's all cockeyed, and he makes the crooked paths straight. Just like you go to Dr. Brian and he puts braces on your kids and makes your crooked teeth straight. Or like the chiropractors that were here in the first service that can realign. I remember I was sledding with my kids, and I was acting like I was 14 years old. My inner man, I'm like 14 years old. We refused to grow up, we guys. And, I, I, and it was icy, and we caught the speed on the hill. We went across a neighbor's driveway and then banked off onto the frozen pond. And as I was up in the air, I caught air. And it was in, and I went, oh man, this is not going to be good. <laughs> so I adjusted myself, and I, I used one of my bumpers on the back, which are, is, is kind of not substantial enough. And I landed <laughs> on my one bumper, and I landed on my bumper, and I went, oh, and I scooted across the ice. I didn't even care if the, I, it was it was thick ice, so it wasn't going to break. It was super cold, but I I. Went, and I got up, and I walked back up, and I was crooked, and I had to go to one of those two guys, and I said, please straighten me, and he went, Pack! and I was like, ah. Oh. The word of God will make the crooked paths straight. How many of you have ever had God straighten you up on a matter? It says this, and listen, the word of God will correct us. It'll bring correction. It'll give direction. It builds us up, but it also corrects. He said in Psalm 119, verse 11, don't turn there. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. 
Uh, Titus 1.9 says, Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that we will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. I mean, this will help us stay out of cults. This will help us not to have our brains washed by a delusion. This will help us to stay on the straight and narrow. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Psalm 119, 105. Say this with me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light and rebukes for discipline are the way of life. Praise God for correction. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. You go to the word and he'll straighten you up. You go to the word and you're all upset about somebody offending you and God deals with you about unforgiveness. Oh God, I repent. You know, you're mad at somebody and you want to get vindictive and the Lord says, pray for those who despitefully use you. Oh man. You don't want to get stingy and you go to the scriptures. He said, give and it'll be given to you good measure. It's like, okay, I get the message, Lord. And the Bible says that he will prune us with his word. He said, you're already cleansed and pruned because of the word. It's, the law of the Lord is perfect, I said in Psalm, 19, in Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. John 8, 31, Jesus was saying to the Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People glibly quote, you know the truth, the truth will set you free, but in a world that says my truth and your truth, trying to replace non-negotiables with this crazy flexibility thing, like that's your perception, this is my perception. No, listen, there's a God who created us. Humanity has fallen. There's something called sin that is, it cannot be uh, uh, improved upon by human power. It can only be dealt with by the sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. That's in the Bible. And the life is in the blood, the Bible teaches. And Jesus shed his blood. And when he paid the price for our sins, then, man, there's hope and there's forgiveness and there's deliverance. Who can say thank God for that? Now, I've just got a couple more minutes. So I just want to stir you up. And we're going to come back together and get some more details about the word. Are you guys getting something out of this? I appreciate your receptivity to it. How many of you have a Bible? How many of you have a Bible you really like? It's your Bible. It's your A. You know that Eric Clapton had a lot of guitars, but he had his main guitar. One of them was called Blackie. Another one, and in a certain period, one was Brownie. And he recorded Layla on one. And he recorded, you know, all these key songs, these pop songs you and I've enjoyed. He, these were his special. He had a lot of other guitars. But this was his main guitar. How many of you have a few Bibles, but you have one main Bible? Let me see your hands if you have a main Bible. Now, even if you're proficient with the Bible on your device, and I respect you for that. I use that a lot. I listen to Alexander Scorby on my device. I, I, I study my Strong's. I don't use my paper Strong's Concordance anymore. But let me tell you, my paper Bible has been such a companion to me. I've been able to go, like, in the middle of the night, I woke up, and I just plopped open my Bible. I knew where to go, and I found those scriptures. And it's amazing muscle memory. Who has ever heard some of these musicians that have practiced so much, and they can play so well? It's that 10,000-hour rule, that the more you do something, uh, the more you become proficient in it. 
So I made my wife bacon and eggs last night, and I figured out a new way to make bacon, and I figured out a, a way to serve her where I heat up the bowl. I put hot water in the bowl. I learned that from the restaurant. I'm, you know, at this age, I'm over 28. I just figured that out. And uh, you might have already known that. Duh, Pastor Jeff. But I'm learning new things about bacon and eggs. We've had bacon and eggs 175,000 times. In fact, who has ever had breakfast for dinner? I mean, bacon and eggs are staple. So you come to a church, you go, oh, I've heard Pastor Jeff. It's his life message. He says that same scripture every time. Then finally, we're going to learn it. I listened to a Pete Seeger lesson on banjo from 1955 yesterday. And he's like, this is how you tune ding, 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 ding. And this is how you tune it. This is how you strum it. This is how you play it. David Gilmore learned how to play the guitar watching those videos or listening to that record of Pete Seeger back, way back when he was a child. The, the Pink Floyd guy who's so ethereal and amazing on his guitar. And by the way, he has a broadcaster uh, a Fender guitar that's like one of the first before even before Telecasters. Now, this may not mean anything to anybody, but this ties into this. Uh, we learn and we develop. Even right now, the lights are going on in some of our hearts. Like, man, the Bible, I want to make the Bible category one important to me. I want to learn the New Testament. I want to learn the Old Testament. How the, the law Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I want to learn about the poet, poetry books, Proverbs, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. I want to learn who the major prophets are, who the minor prophets are. I want to understand the import of the Old Testament in a survey. I want to understand Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and how they harmonize, where there are distinctives. I want to learn what the book of Acts is all about. And I want to learn how to function in the power and the move of the Holy Spirit. I want to know about Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and why Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus, and what's up with Revelation. The Bible says you'll be blessed if you read that book. And it is fantastic going through the book of Revelation. I'm not afraid of the book of Job because I understand it in its context. I don't avoid it because it's so morbid. I see it for what it is, and I love Job. I love how God took care of Job. I love the God of Job who walked him through. I don't like how hassled and attacked he got, but I love the conclusion that he came through it and he, God restored his fortunes twofold. I understand Ecclesiastes in perspective because Solomon had drifted and some of his conclusions were skewed by looking through things through a lens of, of, of vanity and, and, and of distraction and of backsliding. So I understand it. You can judge the Bible in the light of redemption. You can study to show yourself approved unto God. And what I mean by that is you can see how equipping it will make you, how proficient. So somebody comes up to you and says, well, God starts giving you warpage. This would keep people out of Guyana, South America. This would keep people out of drinking the Kool-Aid. This will keep people out of having some little bitter ex-member say, well, that's merely where the anointing is, and that's not where the anointing is. So you listen to the snottiness, and you look at the Word of God, and you see your attitude, and then it'll put a check on you. Can I hear a hallelujah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is anointed. It's God's Word. We don't manufacture anything. We just get in on it and say, God, come on, man. Your Word is true. He watches over His Word to perform it. Jeremiah 1.12. Joel says, strong is he who carries out his word. Amen. Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You getting hungry for the Bible? Man, I, wanna, I want you to get so insatiably hungry for the Bible that you just want to read it, meditate on it. Billy Graham said, just read one chapter, just read it. 
The other day I was talking to Mark Doring. Actually, it was on my video and he saw, I was talking to him because he was listening to it on one of my prayer sessions. It was a little five and 10 minute prayer sessions. And he he said, you know, so I did that. I read Romans and it was really delightful. It's like we get stuck in patterns. There's a way to just sit and look at a verse and pick it apart. There's a way to read it in context, read the whole book. There's, There's a way to, I mean, we've got, a bunch of people going with reading 10 chapters a day and we've got, we, there's such an endorphin rush of taking these, these ribbons and advancing them. I'm getting such a buzz. It's better than retail therapy. It's rather, better than comfort eating. It's better than getting drunk or high. Who cares if weed is illegal, man? I've got the word of God. It's the most high. Let's all stand up on our feet. Come on, hallelujah. Wow, I got a lot in this message. <laughs> My truth, your truth, weed. This has been good church today. (laughs) Say this with me. I believe the word of God is for me today. I want to be sincere with it. I want to walk in it. I'm learning, studying, praying, and getting amazing results. Adequate, equipped for every good deed. In Jesus' name, amen.